Hello and welcome to Apes on Tape. We are your hosts, Fredo Smith and Benji Sauter. We're here to fill your ears with some nonsense about the weird and wonderful aspects and adventures of being human. From the cosmic to the microscopic and everything in between. Let's go. Hello, friends. I just wanted to preface this podcast with a quick message uh, that this is not our usual style of conversation. I thought it would be a good idea to share something raw and honest with Benji in the form of a podcast with the intention of not releasing it if it was too personal. Unfortunately for me, it is all of those things, which fills me with dread, actually, that people will hear this. But we decided it was, well, too important not to share, annoyingly so for me. So at the risk of me putting it out there and being extremely vulnerable, I really hope that this message could help others out there. And we always said that our podcast was about spreading new ways of thinking about things and situations. So this was recorded weeks ago and it wasn't an easy decision, but I finally built up the courage to release it to the world. So I hope it resonates with some of you. Um, I know I'm being very cryptic, so I better just let the conversation speak for itself, really. Thanks for your time, guys. Enjoy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready for a good night tonight? (laughs) Hi, guys. Welcome back to Apes on Tape for another episode. We're not going to tell you which number because we might change our mind. Exactly. um, Hello and welcome. Yes, welcome back. And we hope that you are enjoying our podcast so far. We've just uploaded our first episode, uh, even though this could be episode four or whatever. We could don't be episode ninety. Could be yeah. You never know. Who knows? Um, so we're not going to say the episode number because we don't know <laughs> when we're going to upload it. However, we did upload our first one, and man, the feeling it we got from seeing it on pod, on uh, Spotify was pretty cool, wasn't it? Well, I did enjoy it. Yeah, it was a nice yeah. little uh, legitimizing, validating exercise uh so you know if uh if no one listens to it it's still fun for us which is cool yeah it's really cool man Mm. i like it Mm. uh also we saw that there was another podcast called apes on tape Mm, yes that did happen idiots yes idiots indeed (laughs) um so i hope maybe maybe they'll listen to this and be like who the fuck are these guys what the fuck are they doing taking our name and we'll be like oh i'm sorry well we didn't take your name well we kind of did listen i'm sorry you know, we, it's yeah. a different podcast about different things, you yeah. know. We thought of it for... Well, we thought well, did of we? it. Did <laughs> we? Well, yeah. Thought police. Um, for those of you that are interested, we were going to call our podcast Chimpan Psychism. A bit more highbrow. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a little bit more highbrow, but it's a little bit more abstract. So for those of you that don't know, panpsychism is a philosophy where uh, consciousness is a mere... is everywhere. It's everything, exactly. Yeah. Pan is the... Uh, pan means... Everything. Mm. And psychism means the mind. So yeah. Mind is everywhere, essentially. And we are merely instruments to receive. Like, rate, like if consciousness was radio signals, we would be little transceivers. Mm, exactly right. Um, and then, obviously, chimpanzee, because we're... Fucking apes. idiots. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's what we were originally going to go for. But then I was like, I don't like chimpanzee psychism. And then mm. Benji was like, yeah, no, I'm not married to it, man. Let's change it. How do you like apes on tape? And I said, I love it. Let's go for it. Mm. And then all of a sudden we made the artwork and we started saying apes on tape and then we uploaded it and there's another bloody podcast mm. called Apes on Tape. Maybe we'll have to change it. and Maybe no, you we... won't be listening to this. Maybe there'll be copyright issues. No, there won't. Like Jay-Z. 
Why we haven't called it Jay Z podcast? Well, no, but Jay Z has copyright issues. Does he? Well, that's why he took all of his music off Spotify. Oh, is it? He made his own Spotify. I think that's because he had ninety nine problems, but a bitch ain't one. He's got a bitch problem. <laughs> oh my god, Jay Z, for listening to this. Yeah, <laughs> no joke. All right, should we? Should we? Uh, yeah. Stop anyway, let's, fanning around and go on with this. Let's crack on. Oh, well, obviously, you know, you've been keeping me on tender hooks because you've got uh, something large to tell me. So we're going to jump right in, dive into the well, good, juicy stuff, and you're going to tell me some massive, humbling, uh, and amazing experience that's yeah. happened to you conversationally I understand recently okay so I, I feel like I'm probably gonna <clears throat> enter into a bit of a monologue here so but feel free to interject and I'll just agree or disagree sometimes so people remember that I'm still here yeah exactly um, so I had an experience mm, yeah, totally. <laughs> I had an experience recently which was pretty crazy um, but the thing is this is quite personal so I still don't know if I really want to share this with the whole world. However, um, I think we're just going to go for it, right? Mm. So for those of you that don't know, um, Lou and I have been having relationship issues. Um, so much so that we have, we've basically separated. Uh, we're still living in the same house, but Lou has moved into the spare bedroom for a while now. And we've been sleeping in separate beds. We haven't been intimate. We haven't been kissing. We haven't been, you know, we've been living separate lives and tried to give each other our own space and nice and easy during a global pandemic where yeah. lockdown is imposed and it's so outside and you have a wheelchair yeah I know exactly <laughs> not a problem to give each other space well yeah, I think this is where it's come from actually um, the breakup if you will came from the fact that we were in a relationship where you know I had a job uh, Lou had a job and we were, we didn't see each other that often. And which is common in relationships to have other, th- other things. Then I fell off a cliff, idiot, <laughs> and uh, broke my back, um, ended up paralysed from the waist down. And that was a huge strain on relationship, you know, coming to terms with a, with a disability. And then, you know, um, <laughs> unemployment, global pandemic, uh, stuck in the gaff. You know, just we've been spending a lot of time with each other and it turns out that we don't actually like each other that much. <laughs> that's not true. No, that's not true. But it does put a strain on any relationship yeah, to have absolutely. no fresh energy coming in. Mm-hmm. And Anyway, that's a little bit of background. Um, the thing that happened to me recently was, um, have you ever had an experience where you're so convinced that you were in the right um, and then it turns out you have this enormous epiphany that you're like, oh my God, I was in the wrong. Mm. Not that I can recall, but I, I, I'm sure I have, I remember. Well, it's, it's, it's harrowing. It's a harrowing yeah. experience of like, yeah. oh, I'm an idiot. Well, yeah. Um, if you think about it being a story and you're the hero in the story mm. um, and then you realise all of a sudden that, oh my God, I'm... I'm the villain. Mm. I'm the bad guy. Mm. Like, I thought, I, am I not the hero in the story? Like, I, and it's so weird how these different perspectives um, can change. So I feel like I'm being pretty vague. I should probably just mm. jump into it. Yeah. So what's happened was um, <laughs> there is a bit of a large financial inequality when it comes to Lou and I. 
um, as in I have a lot more money than she does, um, due to just some unfortunate circumstances. She uh, lost her job th- from the pandemic and then was on the chômage, which is essentially the unemployment benefit in France. And then she ended up... So they were saying, oh, you know, you're not looking for work. We're going to stop your payments. So she earnestly said, I'm going to go self-employed, what's called auto-entrepreneur here in France, uh, and look for some work. So she did. She got a few bits of cleaning. Didn't realise that by going self-employed she lost all her rights to the unemployment benefit so she's not been having any money for like three or four months now and she's burned through her savings and she's kind of you know I've, I've been supporting her mm. by paying the rent mm. and obviously she's been downgraded into the spare room which we are lucky enough to have a spare room but it's got like a folding sofa bed it's quite uncomfortable and she's living out of a suitcase mm. and I so again this is really weird but because I've been paying for the rent I've been paying for the fuel in the car I've been paying for the shopping I've and Lou's had an enormous downgrade you know she's gone from like like loving wifey to sort of like this I've been acting a bit cold because of the um, this sort of like we're giving each other space I didn't realise how cold I was being like you know giving each other space it means still remaining friends, not just, and I've, like I say, she's gone from like loving wifey to like almost unwelcome lodger. Mm. And I had no idea that I had made her feel this way mm. because, um, well, I just couldn't see it. You know, I was like, well, I'm supporting you. Like, I don't know why. So she's been so desperate to leave recently and she's been struggling with her mental health a lot. And I didn't understand why. I was like, I don't know what, why you're trying so desperately to run away. Like, you've got a roof over your head here. You've got food in your belly. Like, you can't go anywhere because you can't afford to go anywhere, which obviously doesn't make her feel mm. that secure. She just feels stuck. And again, <laughs> from my perspective, I thought I was the hero in the story because I'm providing. Mm. Um, anyway, uh, we had a discussion the other day and due to some... Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, due to some cannabis edible edibles, mm. I was in a very receptive state of mind when I received this information, and it was a one of those in one of those situations where you're so it's so hard to describe because you're not just empathising with the other person, you're not just see oh yeah I can totally see that from your point of view. I was fully immersed in. Lou's point of view I was feeling what she was feeling I was struggling with the Mm. depression and the helplessness and I could see myself as being like controlling and um just a bit of a dick like very thoughtless and careless and 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 just to give you guys a bit of a background um after my injury I suffered from severe mental health issues uh I was suicidal I was depressed I couldn't handle being paralyzed from the waist down attributing all my uh, my identity and my worth with being an able-bodied person and I really wanted to kill myself but Lou was there for me and she helped me out of this dark period of my life 
And I didn't realise until the other night that I was actually pushing her into a hole of depression and helplessness and suicidal thoughts. And um, and there's me thinking I'm the hero, mm. but I hadn't really empathised with her situation fully. And it was shocking to me. Um, it hit me like a tonne of bricks. It was like an um, earth-shatteringly big shift in perspective I could see things from Lou's perspective and I was I was crying I was like you know shit I can't believe I've been so such an idiot to have painted myself as some mm. you know guy that's like oh yeah well and it was it was uh it was kind of like you know you're living under my roof uh my house my rules kind of thing almost like a parental figure and it reminded me of my dad it reminded me of her dad and it was a really toxic way of behaving and it's a it's a it wasn't malicious the thing is i slipped into this sort of mindset very accidentally because i was the controller of finances and and because lou didn't have any disposable income i was sort of you know, sort of telling her what she could and couldn't buy. Like, well, you shouldn't be buying that because you obviously can't afford it. And, you know, because I'm paying for the rent, like, if you can't afford to pay for the rent, anything that you buy, I'm essentially paying for. And we had this discussion mm. the other day and you agreed with me because you were hearing it from my perspective, from my point of view. And you were like, well, yeah, you, you're totally justified in that point of view. And And then all of a sudden it turns out that, I had no idea that Lou was so desperately unhappy in the situation that um, she was actually going to try and run away. Mm. <laughs> and um, so there's a situation... You remember when I said that she wanted to buy that thing? Mm. Uh, so for the audience listening, there was a... She asked to use my Amazon Prime account and there was a thing on there that was like an attachment for a dog lead to go on a bike... And I was like, why the hell do you want this dog lead for... You can see where I'm going with this, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, why the hell do you want this dog lead attachment for a bike? It's such a stupid purchase. Like, it's 25 euros and you have less than 1,000 euros, like, in, in your bank account. You can't pay the rent. Like, this is this is a, someone who has disposable income would buy this. We hardly ever ride the bikes. Like, this is stupid. And how stupid was I? She bought it because she was so desperate to leave... She was thinking of tethering Luna to the bike. She admitted to me the other night that she'd been hoarding things, like she bought herself a gas stove, a tarpaulin, mm. and like she had a backpack and she was so desperate to leave the situation. She was going to run away. She doesn't have a car of her own, so she was going to use a bicycle mm. and just cycle away. Mm. And it just made me feel so <clears throat> utterly horrible, mm. like terrible, like mm. I'd been such a... Like when she was there for me in my time of need, I was being the opposite. And I, again, in my head, I was the hero in the story, but mm. I didn't realise how controlling I was being and how cold I was being and how I just switched from, you know, oh, OK, well, we've broken up now. So, mm. you know, you can live in the spare room mm. and not pay rent, mm. but you also have to obey my rules, and, <laughs> you know. Mm. It, it was really unfair, really, really unfair, and it really made me feel horrible as a person. Yeah. Um, but this also led to a very interesting dialogue um, between us after I'd had this realisation. 
uh, about how my dad treated my mum, about her the way her dad treats her mum, and about how both of our father figures paint themselves as the hero in their stories. You know, like my dad, <clears throat> for a little bit of background, he died. Um, I don't know how far I want to go into this story, but he wrote a letter before he died, and the circumstances around his death were questionable. I believe it could have been planned. Um, we've discussed this in, in, in private, but um, he, even in even even the letter on his deathbed, he painted himself as the hero. He was like, you know, I did everything for your mum. I provided, you know, when you become the provider in a relationship, when you provide financial aid, you think that you're entitled to something in return. And when you don't get that, you, I don't know, you know what I mean? Mm, you understand yeah, absolutely. what I'm saying? There's like, a lot more to providing for a family than uh, than finance. Yeah, but I think it's this uh, societal thing that, you know, the man is meant to be the provider and the woman is meant to provide other things. Like, Do everything else. Well, you know, like a, a affection, um, look after the children, provide meals, you know, you know like the classic man goes to work, woman mm. is the housewife kind yeah, of thing. The quintessential 1950s poster family. Exactly, but it's <clears throat> it's a thing that um, it's happened like generational in, in both our families. Uh, it's the re- So when I told my mum this, she actually broke down and cried and was like, that just reminds me of the situation I was in with your dad before he died. And, and I was like, I know, isn't it crazy? Like how my dad you know, th- thought he was doing everything right. And yet he was very, very mean. He was very cold. Mm. But I think there's a real danger of having this very imbalanced, finan- unbalanced financial situation where because you're providing money to the situation and, you know, then you withdraw affection and friendship and you expect things in return and and this is really dangerous because the woman feels, or any, it doesn't have to be a woman, but the, the, the other person in the relationship feels, oh, fuck it, like, this is this is not what I signed up for, man. Mm. Like, just because I've fallen on hard times financially, I'm like this, I'm the second-class citizen. Mm. I'm, you know, I have to, you know, obey you or mm. there's expectations that need to be met and you're not, like, when we first met, when we were dating, you were like cooking me meals and, you know, engaging in wonderful conversation and, you know, you're loving and affectionate and now you're just cold and, mm. you know, why haven't you done this? And, mm. oh, you know, you, the house looks dirty. Well, I mean, I'm not saying that I was like that, but um, there was a, a certain element of it. But again, I, I want to stress that it wasn't malicious. Mm. It was just accidentally fell into that mm. role of, so have you come away with uh, action points of how to change? Yeah. Obviously, like, there's obviously the, the moment of realisation that you experience, but obviously what needs to happen in order for, you know, to alleviate Lou taking Luna and riding a bike to God knows where with God knows what in her rucksack, you, there needs to be change, quantifiable change. Like what's, mm. have, you, have you discussed that? Um... Yes, well, we're 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 in discussions now, like about how to, how to change. But like that, the, the like one Brexit. Yeah. 
one of the first things I did was um, I deal. spent. Are you going to get a good deal? <laughs> she going to get a good deal? Too, too late. Oh, fuck, we're just going to we got to leave. So we're just going to have to it's, leave. It's, it's, that's what it was. It was Brexit. Yeah, she's England. Yeah, and you're like, oh well, whatever. We'll take it or leave it. You know, whatever. Yeah. And she's like, oh, we'll have to leave on a fucking bike. Yeah, for the dog. I know, but that's the thing. I had no idea that she was planning this and. Mm-hmm. All the time, I think I was judging her for her poor choices and blaming her for her own financial insecurity and mm. like having this air of superiority and mm. it's disgusting behavior. Mm. But I was just so unconscious of it. Yeah, and um, I'm so so utterly grateful mm. that it came to a head. And so, actually, the the catalyst for this was that I. Uh, <laughs> it's going to sound really weird, but I wrote a song. Uh, with a girl recently who put a, fe- put a post on Facebook saying that she wanted singing, give singing lessons, and I said I've always wanted to learn to sing. And then she said, I would, I really want to learn to rap, and I do a bit of rapping. So I suggested, you know, you look, teach me to sing, I'll teach her to rap. We, she came over, and we collaborated on a song together. And I had, no, because in my head it was totally platonic and completely innocent. I had no idea how it would have made Lou feel. You know, like all of a sudden I've got this girl in the lounge and we're writing songs together, something that Lou and I used to do together. And it was really rubbing it in, like right under her nose. And I had no idea, but this was, she was in her room crying, like listening to us through the door, like making music together, which is a fairly intimate thing to do. And I was so naive and thoughtless with this action. And this was when I finally put myself in Lou's shoes and was thinking, Jesus, fuck, like, what if I was in the spare room? What if I was um, listening to Lou, like, write a song with another guy? Like, how would that make me feel? And would I feel, like, jealous and insecure and hopeless and helpless and depressed and want to get the fuck out of this situation? Yes. Mm. And all of a sudden it hit me. That's this is This is where I was. I was like... Oh my god! Mm. How could I have been so thoughtless? Like I thought, I thought I was a nice guy. <laughs> you know, you are a nice guy. Well, <laughs> I, well I haven't been. Well, that's, that's the that's the yeah. problem. Like, I was blissfully unaware of my of my ignorance mm. and my my carelessness. Yeah, how damaging unconscious behaviour can be. Mm. So the first thing I did was I spent a night in the spare room. And she's been complaining about how uncomfortable the bed is, and um, is she right? Yeah, <laughs> yes, she is. And I didn't like it. It's uh, it's noisy when you when you roll over. It, so it's a sofa bed. It's an old sofa bed. Um, it's it's not really designed to be slept in long term. Mm. And I just feel terrible that you know all of a sudden you know we went from a lovely. Um, bed which I've got and I've got the the memory foam mattress topper like quite thick but that I need that because of my injury because there's um, you know I need the protection for like skin sores and stuff like that because of my low blood circulation in my legs and stuff like that and I just need to be comfortable I've got like scaffolding around my spine so I, I do need to be comfortable and and that does make a huge difference but then all of a sudden Lou was sleeping in this bed and and she's been 
made to feel guilty if she isn't really grateful for it, you know? Mm. Oh, yeah, you used to be in the bed with me, but now you're in the spare room on the old creaky, you know, uncomfortable mm. bed living out of a suitcase. And if you're not if you're not utterly grateful for it, then, well, yeah, you're, you're... Out you get, yeah. Yeah. Get, in the, get under the cupboard, under the stairs, Harry Potter. Stay yeah, there. It, so that's what I wanted to tell you, man. Mm. Um, well, thanks for sharing that. That's a... Uh, that's, that's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to listen to, let alone hard to hard to feel. I mean, mm. It must have been a really harrowing change of perspective, oh, quite quite nauseating. It was imagine, awful. But like you know, well at least you've you've come to the realization. I'm glad you're in discussion, and you know I I, I have been listening to you talk about yours and Lou's relationship for. A, for a while, for a while now, been a very, very good friend. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm always glad when I hear, hear that you've made, made steps in a in a more balanced direction. Mm. So congratulations, and I hope, I hope it's, I hope it's good for both of you. Well, the thing is, man, um, I'm actually really grateful for this experience because, um, my dad, her dad, loads of people around the world. This is such a common thing to happen. Mm. Um, and must be even more so now. There must yeah. be like millions of families in this situation mm. of, that have been, you know, absolutely ruined by the global pandemic. Many people that have lost their jobs or unable to work for whatever reason, and that the balance must be kicked off. Which is why the divorce rate is obviously massive. Yeah. At the moment, people can't cope. Well, exactly. Yeah, like the the divorce rate in the pandemic has has risen a lot because. Um, if I can paraphrase uh, Russell Brand, I watched a wonderful video of his, but he was saying how um, when you first meet someone, you almost deify them. You see them as a goddess, like mm. they can't do, they can do no wrong. They're just wonderful. In the, in the throes of, of new romance, you, you could probably imagine like how that would feel just to be, you, you know, oh, this, this beautiful being, you know, I, I, I'm just totally in love. Mm. And I, and then all of a sudden, this, because you've deified this person and they turn out to be flawed, they turn out to be human, you're like, oh, well, this isn't the person I, mm. I first, this isn't, you know, mm. who's this? Yeah. We have, like, we have physical, like, hormones and chemicals that are released into our body in the first sort of three months of a relationship that are designed to make you ignore things that would usually piss you off or things mm. that would you would usually be adverse to. And your body's like, no, shut up, man. We need to procreate. We need to make more of me. So don't listen to that. You actually really love her laugh. And that's really cute the way she put, drops a plate and doesn't pick it up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then obviously the, those hormones wear off and... And yeah, yeah, you're stuck with a you're stuck with an old bat. Yeah, I think it's weird. Sometimes they say that the things that you think are really adorable about someone when you first meet them are the things that you grow to hate about them. Interesting. Yeah. Which is really weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Believable. Um, like there's things that Lou does that really annoys me. One of the things it's very petty, but she doesn't squeeze the sponge out. Mm, yeah, you've mentioned this before. I believe. Yeah. yeah. Um, because hopefully this anecdote won't be on two of our podcasts. Yeah, oh, I mentioned no, 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 it's not. It's not. But um, so when we do the washing up, you know, and she's like, "Oh, I don't like squeezing the sponge out. I don't like the way it feels." Like when you're in the first six months of a relationship, you're like, "Oh, that's so cute." Can mm. you believe she doesn't like to squeeze the sponge mm. out? Yeah, you know, like 
what because it feels funny in your hand yeah oh you're such a wally and then fast forward five years and you're like would you please just squeeze the fucking sponge out I'm <laughs> sick of it every time I come to the sink it's sopping wet mm. as you know it's a fucking hive for bacteria mm. we, wipe, we wipe our plates with that you know and you know like, yeah. it used to be adorable yeah. now it's you know unforgivable yeah and the, uh, the worst thing about that is that like you internalise it for so long so hypothetically for five years you'd be like <laughs> a fucking sponge a fucking gem how many times have I fucking squeezed this sponge out of her and you just get progressively more angry and angry and then finally you explain the fucking sponge the fuck's sake woman and you're like <laughs> literally the first time you've mentioned it to me I, I would have totally squeezed the sponge out or maybe not yeah but yeah tricky tricky business it's a weird situation to be in. Mm. Um, I've just remembered, actually, uh, a, a similar situation where things got flipped around for me. Mm. I, was, um, I was in Australia with a, with a, a previous partner. And we were travelling around with a couple of friends and we didn't have very much money. In fact, that's an overstatement. We had no money. We were like... <laughs> we, would, um, we would drive, drive around or walk around the local supermarkets and find trolleys yeah. and return them back to the trolley park and, and get the dollar out of them. Wow. Yeah, but I will also say it was one of the happiest times of my life. It was really wonderful being that poor. Um, that was a wonderful time that we found, like, a, it was Australia Day, and I think loads of people just left a picnic, and we found, like, a stack of these flatbreads, and we're like, oh, my God, this is crazy, we're not going to stop. Anyway, it was during that time. So we were very low on funds. Um, we had a bit of money at one point, and then there was an opportunity to, you know, spend the money on something quite frivolous, fun, and temporary. Mm. I'm not going to specify exactly what it was. But it was an opportunity to share a really fun time with a couple of really special people. And I and my partner was just like, well, no, like we've, we're, you know, we're eating rice and we're returning trolleys. We don't, we, we, we can't afford this. And I'm like, duh. And, and I gave this like annoying, pedantic and, you know, condescending speech on the beach to her about why, you know, life is for living and, you know, fun is for having and, you know, mm-hmm. and how, you know, why wouldn't we do this? Don't be so silly. Like this is, this is going to be a joyful memory for everyone. And, you know, it'll be gracious and special. Mm. And I didn't realise what I was doing. And unfortunately, within my family, uh, I can be quite uh, good at arguing or I can place my words well. Or um, Unfortunately for whoever I'm arguing with, I remember exactly what they've said mm. and then regurgitate it to them and, and put it on a plate for them. And they're like, oh, that's not what I meant, but that is exactly what I said. That's so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really not a nice person to get into an argument with. And... She turned it around and was like, you make me feel so small when you talk like that. Like, how, how do you realise how that's made me feel? Like, just, ca- like, towering over me with your, like, hyperbolous and, you know, hierarchical view on how and why we should do what we should do. And you've just made me feel and look like an idiot. And mm. I, I'd never realised it before. And it was, it was that moment I just got slapped in the face mm. by it. I was like, oh, I make you feel... I make you feel like that and I was just like charismatically being like oh we should definitely spend a lot of money on drugs <laughs> no you're an idiot um, and yeah it was, it was a, a really harrowing experience and I, I remember it to this day and I often like think back to it in fact like I will 
I have several um, several moments, probably dozens of moments in my head that make me groan out loud when I remember them. Like I'll be walking down the street and go, oh, just like cringe internally mm. and cower at the behaviour that I've previously been responsible for. And that's one of them. And yeah, so that's that's how I, I would relate to your previous yeah. And it's, it changed me. It changed mm. me for the... I hope for the better, like I still am that dickhead from time to time, I'm sure, but yeah. I certainly remember and I certainly think back to that and like, don't just think that your way is the way yeah. and and just lord it over people because you're probably wrong. Because yeah. I'm, I'm wrong a lot of the time. Yeah. Most of the time, I'm always wrong. Yeah. I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, even Elon Musk, uh, and he, you know, he's pretty much the modern-day Einstein. He always says, try and be... As, as least wrong as you can mm. um, which is you know if, if he <laughs> you know the, the amount that that man has achieved and he's always like yeah just try and be a, as least you know yeah there's not much space for being wrong with astrophysics and rocket science yeah. those equations I think I feel they have to be pretty precise in order to get a rocket to orbit the earth and yeah. then return safely to a 10 by 10 platform in the middle of the sea. But he did crash the first three. Yeah, sure. And they did sure. blow up. Yeah, what, what an idiat. What yeah. twat. <laughs> idiot. <laughs> Put that equation in front of me and I'm sure I'd, you know, use it as loop paper, wouldn't I? Yeah, mm. but exactly. So the point is, um, when you do, uh, I don't know, you know when you're, well, like I said, when, like, when how I started <laughs> the, the monologue, and I, and I do apologise for repeating myself, when you're so convinced that you're in the right, when you're so convinced the other person is is, is an idiot, mm. and you're like, well, obvious, like, you know, and you, you have this sense of superiority. Mm. You're like, why are you spending your money on nonsense? Mm. Or because I'm secretly planning on running away. Yeah, you just don't know, do you? You just don't know. I guess there are so many occasions that we can probably all think back to and you're just like, oh, I didn't realise. Mm. I didn't realise your perspective. Mm. And uh, like, I think most people have it in their jobs a lot of the time. I, I'd say it would be easy to, to segregate that and, and like have people empathise with that situation because there's so many occasions I can recall that like, what the fuck does he even do? Like, yeah. like surely all you have to do is, you know, send that file, do that thing and then, you know, buzz your uncle. Mm. And then you, you have a situation where you're like, oh, can you actually do this for the day? And you're like, oh, oh this is quite... Oh, I didn't realise, you know, the umbrella of yeah. what I thought you did actually holds many things that I don't know how to do and are quite tricky. And I've just been indicting with you with, you know, absolute incompetent knobhead because I thought what you did was far less than what you actually do. And I, I've always had this thought that it would be an incredibly wise practice in like a business or a company for everyone to do everything even if it's not their specialty yeah. to have a rotation and be like oh I didn't realise how difficult it actually was to yeah. X, Y, Z because that that empathy empathy is so so valuable yeah to, to put you in other people's shoes and to get you to experience the hardships that other people have to go through that you just don't think of yeah no I surface. fully agree like, for example, when we... Like I've worked in kitchens before. Um, actually, to be fair, I haven't. But I've worked in kitchens where other people who have worked uh, have told me that in their previous jobs, uh, for example, the kitchen staff will do a couple of shifts on the bar 
and the bar staff will do a couple of shifts in the kitchen just so they know, oh, right. Mm. So it's not you just being an idiot. Yeah, sometimes yeah. it's the customer. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, because chefs generally can shout at servers and be like, oh, my God, like, you expect a certain level of perfection. Mm. You take the food out and it never comes back. It goes to the right table every time. Anything, anytime it comes back, you're an idiot, mm. and you just not you. You know you deserve to be shouted at. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I I never did that because, um, well, I try not to be a dickhead, but I've worked with a lot of chefs that can. Yeah. But once you have that, you know, you put that chef in the situation where they're going out and dealing with customers. Yeah. You're like, oh god, actually, your job's actually pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, so next time food comes back to the kitchen because you've made a mistake, I might go a little bit easier on yeah. you. Because actually, it's yeah. not just as simple as nailing it every time, and and again, like sometimes, again, as a chef, like customers can offer uh, order very silly things, you know, like they they have, you know, they they want something without salt on it, and you're like, well, how how can I have it with salt? Yeah, salted caramel, you idiot! <laughs> exactly. So anyway. It, that, that, that's an example of... of yeah, of, I think a restaurant's a, a, a perfect example of how it would be to, to, to experience the rotation of your job. Yeah. And increase, increase empathy would be incredibly beneficial for the whole, for the whole system. Yeah, but the whole workforce would work in, in much better synergy. Mm. Um, so what, uh, what empathy are you going to take forward... With the with the loose situation, obviously you're in discussion, like you said. But like, mm. well, what's the um, for a start? I've um, spent a spent a night in the spare room. Yeah, and it's not pleasant. Yeah. Um, and I don't. I well, I, well, basically, she. One of the main complaints was that um, just because we're not together, it doesn't mean we can't be friends. But of course, this is confusing ground because. She said she wanted space, you know, she wanted, um, so I gave her space, but like, she didn't want to be completely ignored and felt, and, and be made to feel like a nuisance, um, which is not what I did intentionally, mm-hmm. but it's how I interpreted it, you know, like, and I also, I feel like a lot of the reasons why our relationship has ended up like this is because we inhibit each other's growth. For example, uh, I like to have like new friends and uh, like dinner parties and Lou doesn't really like socializing that much with people you know we have like different groups of friends and different interests and to be able to have the freedom to pursue those things when the other person feels uncomfortable it's difficult so when we were like okay let you know we're gonna break up and we're gonna just live together I was like cool well I'm gonna do my and that's again that's why thoughtlessly invited someone over to write a song mm-hmm. um which again was completely innocent in my mind i'm just like okay i'm getting on with my life it mm-hmm. was so upsetting to lou and and you know just i just think i need to be a bit more thoughtful i need to be a friend mm-hmm. you know and act like a friend acts mm-hmm. you know like be supportive yeah i think you should also give yourself a little bit of a break because it's definitely not a, an easy situation it's not just a switch you turn and be like oh i'll just be a friend like having spent five years being intimate and you know in love you don't just like move category seamlessly like there's issues and and you know lines get blurred and you can't just be like oh just be the best of buzz because you know it can be painful for Mm. for one or the other or both yeah and you know it's not a 
it's not a one size fits all. There's no, yeah. um, well, there probably is uh, relationships for idiots or breakups for idiots. There is a book called Decoupling, yeah, Uncoupling, which was recommended by um, well, the mind, yeah, that. maybe you could maybe you could read that. Well, the thing is, like, after I said this the other night, Lou was rather emotional as well, and she because uh, I I didn't she was like why are you like don't don't cry don't be upset and I was like no 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 this is really healthy like I I'm not upset I'm empathizing I'm I'm fully putting myself in your shoes these mm. tears I'm crying are the tears that you were crying the mm. other day mm. I'm this is a healthy display of emotion I'm fully you know feeling what you're mm. what you've been feeling yeah, cool and so, I don't know where I was going with this. Mm. It's quite a uh, quite a poignant and uh, deep, nearly out of body experience mm. for uh, for a uh, for a cannabis edible, isn't it? Yeah, it's cool. But yeah, well, it definitely put me in a in a very receptive frame of mind mm. for sure. I've heard other people speak of speak of cannabis like that before. It's not something that I've been able to uh, been able to enjoy it doesn't really usually uh, gel with me that drug it's not something I've um, I've used very much but I've heard people speak quite uh, widely positively that it helps them to see from other perspectives yeah for sure um, 100% mm. I think uh, cannabis is a, is a is an enormously helpful medicine for shifting your perspective mm. the amount of times in the past where I have oh man I mean literally I can I can I can just see them like I could just literally see them where I'm just like mm. you know I'll say something to Lou and she'll say something to me and I'll be like well you know and I'll go out on the balcony and I'll have a little smoke and within 10 minutes I would be like I was I was a bit of a dick just then when I <laughs> yeah. she was like oh yes you were yeah like, and she's like I I love it when you're high like you're you're <laughs> so much nicer yeah and so the, the so the other so yeah, this is where I was going now. So I wrote a lot. I journaled a lot about it and I wrote Lou a letter and I explained everything in the letter about how I empathised with her situation a lot. And she read the letter and we discussed it and she was like, I feel like I've got you back. I genuinely thought I'd lost you. And, and now things have changed between us like so much like because of this this insight we've been getting on better I mean this only happened like this week but mm. we've been she's just looking at me in a different light now you know and, and I'm well I don't it, it's just been this light bulb moment mm. but how confident you do you feel about staying loyal present and conscious of this insight like do you feel mm. like it's going to fade away like how, what are you going to do to to remind yourself of this you know change in perspective that's you know knocks you for six well it's a really good i'm really glad you brought that up actually because i don't know mm. i really hope that i remember like it was such an enormously powerful experience uh, and deeply upsetting especially to realize that the person that helped you out of the hole that you were in one time, you've helped push into a hole. Mm. And that is difficult mm. because you're like, oh, wow. Mm. You know, like I was, you were really there for me. Mm. And also, you remember when I was saying about, um, so you brought it up about uh, 
unconditional love. Mm-hmm. And you were saying about how you didn't want to have kids because of the way sometimes we treat our parents and you couldn't deal with um, loving someone who was such a dick to you back. Mm, yeah, and, you know, yeah. and you brought the subject of unconditional love and how our parents love us no matter what we do. And then I said it like some pompous dickhead, you know, and I really do reflect, like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm really trying to practice unconditional love, you know. Mm. Even when Lou is a bit of a dick, mm. I'm, you know, I'm still going to love her. Mm. And when I say a bit of a dick, I mean, like, when she's doing stuff that I don't want her to do, when she's not doing the things that I want her to do, mm. when she's not acting in the way that I approve of, mm. I'm still going to love her anyway. What a absolute pompous, wanky thing to say out loud when... When so when I was in hospital after my accident, she supported us financially. Um, she paid the rent. She supported me so emotionally, so much. It must have been so difficult. I think I touched on it in in a previous episode where you know I was so I was suicidal. I was talking about killing myself, and I was like, "It'll be fine. Like, you'll come back from work. I'll be dead." And it'll be, <laughs> fine. be fine. No, because like you know, you, you'll be upset for a while, but you 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 know, in in a year, in five years, ten years, you'll mm. be much happier. Mm. You know, you won't have to deal with me anymore. But she stuck through me through that period. Mm. And did she <laughs> did she say it out loud like, oh, you know, I've loved you unconditionally? You know, like no, she just was silently supportive. Mm. She was a friend, mm. a really good friend, mm. a solid partner when I needed it Solid good egg. and that and the reflection of me just being like you know well you're spending your money unwisely but I love you anyway and like yeah whatever mate you're driving me fucking insane mm. and I'm actually secretly planning on running away mm. but yeah you carry on like thinking you're mm. some hero that oh, I just feel like such a dick mm. you know yeah sorry about that no it's not your fault it's me mm. but Everyone's a dickhead on a long enough timeline. Exactly. Wise words. Mm. But I don't know, what, what, do you, what do you have to add to that? I wonder, like, because I remember you saying you had obviously not an epiphany this large, but I remember it wasn't that long ago that you were reminded of the fact that actually Lou supported you financially when you were, like, dosed up on morphine mm. and were quite unaware of the situation and what was required of, like you know, just the general admin of life, you, you know, you, you weren't capable of doing that because you were, you know, dealing with a recent uh, trauma mentally and physically. So obviously that, you know, you, you had that realisation that, oh, shit, you know, Lou was actually paying the rent for mm. X amount of time. And, like, I, I'm, I just like, I just wonder, how, like, how to, how to maintain that, that level of compassion, that level of empathy, because, you know, we, we've both been through incredibly, you know, poignant experiences with the use of um, psychotropic drugs. And the reason you do it, you know, not regularly, but like, you mm. know, a, a few times a year is, is because you forget, you, yeah. you know, you go, you go back and like, you know, like you've heard the story of, 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 you know, relatively recently how I had a, had an experience where my ego died like a like a cancer mm. from within me i got a fucking huge ego it's grown way back <laughs> <laughs> and it just it, it just does and you just you just need to check it yeah you need to check it regularly but i guess it's it's not easy yeah it's not easy 
I think I was definitely acting from a place of ego. I was definitely very egocentric, like mm. thinking that I was just doing everything right. And mm. but I, I don't understand. I I know what you're saying. Like it, these experiences that we that we use with psychedelics is because we constantly need reminding that I don't know. Like because the, because while you're in the throes of a psychedelic trip or experience it's so obvious it's oh god of course it's like you're being reminded mm. it's like you've forgotten something you're like oh god i've been identifying with my ego again haven't mm. i i forgot that we were actually all supposed to just love, love each, other, each other you yeah. know and be nice and yeah. pleasant and why why do we forget that it's so obvious i know we don't forget it as well we say it but like you just you just don't feel it mm. like after a while it wears it wears off and I, I just don't... It's not enough to know it. You, yeah. have, you have to feel it. Yeah. Because because that ego just creeps back in. It's so tenacious. And it does such a great job of like just hanging on to little experiences and situations in your life and, like, inflating itself. And it just needs to be beaten the fuck down. It does. As as possible. But it always comes back. And... That's why I think that, that the difference between, um, you know, our parents and, and, and us is the fact that we, you know, well, for example, not, not, not all parents, but um, a lot of our, the older generation, that you know, dr- drugs are bad, you know. Mm. But, you know, booze is all right. You can numb your feelings with a, mm. with a gin and tonic or a, or a, you know, bottle of wine. Mm. That's fine. But God... Yeah. Smoke a bit of weed that you you know the devil's lettuce, <laughs> the devil's lettuce. Yeah. You know you that that's bad. Drugs are bad, but then you know I find yeah like, this you know the ceremonial even recreational use, of, drugs is 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 you know if it gives you insight and perspective mm. and reminds you, mm. not to be a dick to people. Yeah, exactly. Then what could possibly be wrong with that? Yeah. Well, especially if it's something specific that's not actually intoxifying to your body. Yeah. Like psilocybin, for example, you would have to eat a hell of a lot of yeah. mushrooms in order to actually make yourself, you know, physically physically unwell. Yeah, you, absolutely. You'd probably do the same if you ate the same amount of just, you know, button mushrooms. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, exactly. Too much of anything, mate. Like, yeah, mm. I mean... I think it's important to... Like, I mean, obviously, there is dangers around everything, but I think it's important to clarify that you know drug drugs aren't bad it's people that are bad and yeah. like in, you can't you can't um affiliate uh, you know moral perspective with a compound yeah like whatever it is but the way people use it is what makes it you know inverted commas good or bad mm. and anything can be used in a you know in a positive in a positive way i guess also i just think the fact that um making drugs illegal is well there's many reasons why i disagree with it number one is that i'm a fully grown adult and i can make my own decisions there's no way that somewhat other adult should be telling me what i can and can't ingest in my body Mm. especially if i'm not causing any harm to other people Mm. like how dare you tell me what i can and can't do Mm. like if i want to you know Get high, if I want to smoke weed or eat cannabis edibles mm. in my house and and have a and empathize with my partner and 
and save my relationship yeah, yeah. and or even just giggle my ass off and, and laugh and or even just watch telly and mm-hmm. you know then why the hell you know yeah. should I be scared of of going to prison or like you know mm-hmm. being punished being penalized like I have a a sovereign right over what I put in my body and the experiences I have you can't mm-hmm. tell me is that ego I, coming up again well no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I have rights sovereign rights Lord of my castle, and I shall do what I want, when I want, and how I want it, lest then the Lord strike ye down. Uh, you're right, you're right, but hopeless. This is well, you can see my point, right? Yeah, I'm sure yeah, you of agree. Of course, I was just making a joke, but yeah, you're right. But I guess. <laughs> So that there is a, an important there is a there's a there is a role that the ego serves, mm. and it's uh, it's important to recognise that. But it, it you, you can identify it too much, sometimes a lot of the time. Yeah, and it's unfortunate, man. It's uh, yeah, mm. Mm. suck out ego. Yeah, but nice. that's the thing. You can't live your life. In, you you literally couldn't live your life in in a psychedelic daze. You know, you, you, you need the ego. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. You need rules, you need time, you need... Yeah, structure. You yeah, need. you can't just float around without your shoes on, wearing sunglasses and be like, hey man, just love... Every-. No, shut up, okay? Do you realise you've got a doctor's appointment in 45 minutes? Have you looked at your watch recently? <laughs> no, what is time now? Like, oh, it's time you go to the doctor because you've got a, quite a serious hernia. <laughs> Oh, well... Should we wrap uh, that one up? Well, is, is there anything you want to add in conclusion? Because I think we are coming to the end of this this particular discussion. Empathy is awesome. It can be achieved by, you know, the responsible use of some compounds, one of them being cannabis, the other one being psilocybin. And um, fuck off your ego. Yeah. Love more. Is there any... Because you said that you could relate to the experience I had and empathise with it but is there any advice that you could offer me? Mm. I think just write it down like like we have to write down our experiences and we, we, I, I think that's a, that's a good question because we can't I think it's important that we don't just rely on certain compounds to be like oh shit I'm being a knob again I'll just take this compound because that level of reliance is kind of not toxic but it can be dangerous and I think it would be better if we could remind ourselves just using our brains yeah. or, and our memories not to be dickheads and, and to love more. But I guess communication, conversation, open conversation yeah. is just is invaluable. And the more you, you know, converse and find out honestly what the other person is going through and believe them mm. and put yourself in their shoes, then then maybe you don't always have to, have to alter your uh, state of consciousness. But it's not the end of the world if you do. Yeah, well, uh, one I, I do want to add that uh, I think that with psilocybin, for example, then you can't take that every day. But with cannabis, I feel like it's uh, it's certainly uh, a medicine that I feel like I can use a lot more frequently. Mm. Uh, I certainly don't like to get stoned every day, but like mm. uh, three, four times a week is pretty good for me. Like mm. it's, I, 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 I think it inspires creativity, inspires me to be less of a dickhead, inspires me to look at things in a different perspective. Mm. Uh, and, and I enjoy that. But um, with regard to like specific, any like relationship advice, like how do, how does one remind themselves not to be a dick in the throes of, 
of what life can throw at you? Can't answer that. That's a that's you've got to experience your own journey, haven't you? It's it's different for everyone. All you can do is, like I say, all you can do is talk, talk, mm. understand, and and believe. I think that's so cheesy, but just believe, man. But yeah. you've got to you've got to believe and understand where they're coming from. Just I, I don't know, just yeah. I uh, think without, maybe at the risk of getting too cheesy, just like you know, look into their eyes as they're telling you how they feel, and and try and try and feel how they feel I think it could be like we touched on before like having a meditation practice mm. um, like, like by the act of meditating you can pay attention to what you're pay attention what you're paying attention to mm. for example if you're paying attention to the voice in your head that's saying this person's a dick you know like I'm right you're wrong mm. you could be like oh hey perhaps there's a different I don't know Perhaps, mm. you know. We had a conversation, like, not, not dissimilar to it when we were talking about the um, certain influences that one can be susceptible to, like, on YouTube and whatever, and, you mm-hmm. know, where you where you draw the line of of, of what to believe and, and why. And I guess we were talking about it, and I was, I was offering an equally sceptical point of view, but with without such an indictment as maybe you had previously thought with a with more of a excited curiosity. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you're referring to now, yeah. Um, yeah, no, you're right. I think, yeah, I think you have to approach everything with an open mind. And again, I think through meditation and, yeah, medicines, mm. uh, I think you can, I don't know, I think you just got to constantly remind yourself that you might be wrong. Mm. Yeah. You know? Mm. And just to be nice. Mm. Mm. Good one, man. Yeah. Right. Well, that was a pleasurable conversation. Thanks, man. What yeah, did you think? Because yeah. I, I did say that I had something like a bombshell to drop on you. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was, it was heavy. I, I would have struggled to, to be quite as um, detrimental to my own uh, ego on a podcast like that. Like that was pretty. That was pretty brave of you. So, so well done. Thanks. I mean, you may not hear it. We'll probably he'll probably delete it as soon as I leave. Like, oh, yeah. Well, can't bloody let people listen to that. <laughs> but maybe people can relate to that. Or maybe yeah. maybe someone's in a situation and be like, oh fuck me, am I am I doing that? Yeah. To to my partner. And I'm sure you know. I mean, obviously Lou was there in the experience with you, but I'm sure it would be pretty nice for her to hear that. Like you, just, yeah. Like it's a it's a pretty open and lovely move to publicly admit how wrong you are and publicly you yeah. know you know announce the fact that you you were a knob yeah and lose an angel I'm sure yeah. she'd be a knob too as well you know everyone would be a knob yeah, yeah. it's just it's, it's deeply personal again I, mm. I get I'm very nervous at the thought of this becoming public and people mm. listening to it but it is what it is but uh, I think I, you know we're coming to the end of the podcast now I hope you guys have enjoyed it Hope you guys can relate. Any sort of feedback you want to give us would be awesome. No hate mail. Well, you can give us hate mail if you want. Well, all right. I won't read it. Yeah. Any publicity? Yeah, if you want to send us hate mail, start with, oh my God, I love you guys. You're so great. And then deliver the deliver the dirt. Yeah. And then I might read it. Don't you go hurting my ego. No. Because I'll lash out. precious. Don't you know that we're right? <laughs> and I will never see it from your perspective. <laughs> but, um, all right. Cool. Well, thanks for listening again, guys, and lots of love. And, and remember, love each other, 